The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate world. the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat ruckers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live in the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about a hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com and uh, you'll notice two videos at the top of the page. The first one on the left is the show from yesterday I was covering for Bradley, so if you want to pick that up, we're going to kind of uh, piggyback on that. It was on the Convention of States. We had Evan Mulch from the uh, John Birch Society, so if you want to catch up with uh, a little bit of what that was after the show today feel free to do so that'll be there till three o'clock this afternoon at which time bradley will be live 
on the left side of the page there. On the right side is uh, the morning show. That's what's going on right now. So if you want to watch us, uh, click on that, and blow it up on your device, and there's a rumble icon in the bottom right. Click on that. You can join us in the chat over there. Love to see you guys. Good to see everybody in the rumble chat, all the other chats that we're on on other video platforms, and Discord. There's some people in there. I haven't seen anybody talking, but... Uh, you know, it's there. Not a lot of people pop in there, even though that's one where everybody can go to. <laughs> of course, you, you have some difficulty if you're trying to watch the video. I understand, but it's there for you. Uh, also, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for a newsletter. Again, we don't rent your email, sell it, or spam it. One email from us a day. That's all the articles from sonsoflibertymedia.com for that day, including... The morning show archive, and if I do an afternoon show, that's in there too. There's an archive for the afternoon show. If you scroll down just a little bit here, you'll see there's the morning show. Da da da. That's what the archive looks like. Okay, and the one above that is the afternoon. Did both of them. All right. So any of the stuff we talked about, all of that stuff's in there. You guys know the routine. I put the video, the podcast, any of the links that we're talking about, any of that stuff. So you can go back and you know you can go through it yourself. I, I believe that. You know, you present people with information. You try to make it as easy as you can for people to get the information in one place, and then they can go kind of sprout out and do their own, you know, research on the things and come to their own conclusions. Uh, but when you tune in here, to the Sons of Liberty, you're looking for our conclusions. What we're putting, what we're putting forth, uh, whether it's from the Word of God or whether it's from the Constitution, which uh, again is subservient to the Word of God. It really is. Uh, that's why. Um, I believe that the uh, one of the articles that says there's no religious test oath, that should be removed. If you, you want to start somewhere, remove that and say only Christian men. And I'm talking about real Christian men who have Christian character and they have uh, elders in their church that will back them for that. And those elders are in good standing as well. Um, so, yeah, that's one of those things. We'll talk about that a little bit in the show today. If you'd like to help us out with what we do, whether it's on the radio, whether it's on the Internet or out among the people, uh, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or become a partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. That's available as well. And our store is available this week. We're highlighting to Spit Against Heaven DVD. Uh, this is exposing the sodomite agenda. Um, it's normally $20 donation this week only through Saturday at midnight. You can get 30% off with the promo code SPIT. Okay. Pretty easy to remember. Use SPIT as the promo code, and you're going to get 30% off of uh, this DVD. So be sure and uh, get that if that if you want to pick that up. I, it's an um, extended version of one of Bradley's videos that he does, so it's, it's very uh, insightful. It's also somewhat stomach-churning. I, I hate to even talk about these issues here, um, but they're, they're all around us, and... You know, I'm, I'm not going to get into the entertainment news and stuff, but I just made a comment the other day that, that there are people who actually think this thing that went on at, what was it, the Oscars, Grammys, whatever. I don't even keep it. Oscars. At the Oscars. Don't they, they do the movies, right? Grammys is singers or something. Anyway, uh, you know, they still think that thing is real. That's what cracks me up. And you got to understand um, that's promoted by Pfizer. It's brought to you by Pfizer. Remember we played that video? This is brought to you by Pfizer. This is brought to you by brought to you by Pfizer, right? They're bankrolling all of that stuff, and uh, the name. What was the stuff that um, Will Smith's wife has? They said anyway. That's tied in somehow with uh, with this with uh, one of Pfizer's products and stuff. So come on, you you really have to be utterly stupid or asleep or I don't know, just not thinking to put all that together. But uh, 
it's interesting because I said, you know, he, as far as I'm concerned, Will Smith is kind of washed up at this point. Yeah, he's had some stinker films has come out. Okay, back in the day, a long time ago, I used, I used to like Will Smith as an actor. Anyway, uh, but the the point is, is this: he and his wife have two kids that don't seem to be able to figure out whether they're boys or girls. And we're seeing a lot of this, that they're dressed, you know, like the opposite sex and stuff. Anyway, it's, it's weird. And, and the Bible says that a man shouldn't put on a woman's clothes, right? Shouldn't be wearing anything that pertains to a woman. Um, and I think that that applies vice versa. They're not supposed to look the same. Now, it doesn't, you know, I heard growing up, oh, women shouldn't wear pants. I don't think that's what's going on there. Okay, I don't really think that is the, the way it is, but they shouldn't be making themselves to appear as the opposite sex. That's that's the whole point. Uh, in any case, I want to hit just a couple of headlines, and then we're going to jump into this convention of states thing because I really wanted to continue yesterday, but I had some things to do, so I didn't get a chance to do it. So I figured, well, we'll pick up kind of. I'll get to finish what I was talking about yesterday, and then we'll we'll pitch in some other things as well. But SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, the feds are targeting your kids and your home. Resistance is necessary. If you didn't catch this with Lynn yesterday, um, that was our Rotten of the Core Wednesday deal. All governments share this problem. Uh, this would actually be a good one to play. This is a uh, this is a video from Matt Hell. It's only about four minutes. Um, oh, goodness. Let's just go ahead and hit this, because, and then maybe we'll just jump into the other, and I'll throw the rest of the stuff in the stack of stuff, so to speak. This is Matt Trujella on all governments share this problem. Listen. Why is the doctrine of the lesser magistrate so important when it comes to the authority of a county? The reason it's important is because of human nature. Men corrupt all forms of government. Any form of government that's ever been created by man can be corrupted including a representative constitutional republic like what was established here in America. They have perverted it all. That goes back to the nature of man. Our founders had a Christian view of the nature of man, that he's wicked and in need of a savior. So they wanted to pillar multiple levels of government, multiple branches at each level of government, so that if any one branch or branches began to play the tyrant, another branch or branches would check the ones playing the tyrant, would rein in their evil, interpose against the evil that they're doing. The reason this doctrine of the lesser magistrate is so important is because of human nature. Men corrupt themselves with power, and so the lesser authorities must check them when they've exceeded the limits of their authority or if they're openly impugning the law of God and his word, or if, since we live in America, they're impugning the Constitution itself, too. People often wonder how I got involved in writing a book on the doctrine of the lesser magistrate and teaching this doctrine to hundreds and hundreds of groups across the nation. It was because of my involvement on behalf of the preborn. I actually did about 15 months in various jails and correctional facilities for my acts of interposition for the preborn. We would sit in front of the doors of the death camps and place our bodies between the abortionist and the child who was being brought to be killed in order to intervene on their behalf. This was what got me involved in wanting to write a book on the doctrine of lesser magistrate because I was astounded 
that here you have murder taking place, the Supreme Court saying people can murder people, and not one governor, not one legislature, not one mayor, not one city council in all of America said no. Rather, they all complied. So they needed to learn from history and from scripture that their duty is not blithe compliance, but rather their duty is interposition. And so I wrote the book on the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. And now we see in our day, because we didn't check the evil of the tyrants prior to this, they've grown in their lawlessness. Now we're at the point where they're running around telling people to put masks on their faces, telling people, get this shot. They'll use the carrot, they'll use coercion now in order to get people to get the shot. Both the businessman and the government man are in cahoots together in this great evil that's going on in our land. Interposition is needed. You don't politicize and fund a great evil. You stop it. And that is the duty of the lesser authorities when evil is being done, is to check the evil of the superior authority. Massively important. This doctrine has been demonstrated hundreds of times in the last year and a half to two years now since this all began. Hundreds of times, but get this. It's been done at the county and local level. Not at the federal level. Not at the state level. It's been done at the county and local level hundreds of times. And people see the goodness of this doctrine. Yeah, and you need to check out that book, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. And I agree with you, Bethany. If, you, if people have not heard Matt's testimony <clears throat> of, uh, of what he has gone through and things, uh, you really ought to hear it. In fact, he told us he used to be in a gang uh, before he became a Christian. And um, it's kind of hard to <laughs> picture Matt as this gangbanger, but uh, that's what he was. And uh, God miraculously saved him. But he's got a point here that I think Cody was bringing up uh, yesterday on the show when he called in. And he was saying, you know, there's there's really no way to enforce the Constitution. Well, there is. Matt hit on it. The first line of that are the uh, separation of powers. They are to keep one another in check. They're not equal. They don't have equal power. Um, <clears throat> but they are to keep each other in check. In other words, when Congress comes, they're the only one that can write law. The, the, I'm sorry, if you think that the Supreme Court makes law, you're wrong. No, they give an opinion, or they give a ruling, and then people take that and assume that means it's law. That's what you do. It's a wrong assumption. You need to correct that. But they give a ruling, or they give an opinion, and that applies to that case, and that case alone. That's it. Okay? Just so you understand. So when... Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Barack Obama come up and say, oh, well, Supreme Court's ruled it's the law of the land. No, they have not, nor do they have authority to do that. So the Supreme Court is to be put in check by the executive branch and by the legislative branch. And if they have ruled wrong, the executive branches say, we're not enforcing that because your ruling is wrong. And if the Congress sees that they have misunderstood what was given in the wording of the law, and it should be easily to understand, that's what the law should be, it's usually not that way, but it should be easy to understand, then they need to go back and correct that. And when the Congress passes unconstitutional legislation, it's the job of the president to veto it. That's why he has a veto power. 
He's to veto those things that are unconstitutional and make Congress. All right, you want to you do this? You're going to have to go over my head. You're going to have to get a lot more people in on this deal. Okay? So keep that in mind when we're going through this stuff on, on the Convention of States or Article 5 Constitutional Convention. I am going to show you. That's what Mark Meckler called it. I'm going to show you that today. In fact, uh, again, I'll have like, uh, just so you know, I'll have about five articles in the archive um, that I want to make mention of, especially this guy, uh, Yuval Noah Harari. I mean, this guy, when Matt is talking about the unborn being murdered and nobody's standing up, this guy's actually, I, I mean, it's surreal to listen to this man talk. The rise of technology will make humans unnecessary and useless. What do we need humans for? I don't know. Let's start with you, dude. Why do we need you? <laughs> Let's start with you. Let's apply that to you. See, these Marxists and these Satanists and everybody else, they want to apply something to the whole world that they don't apply and they don't lead by example in doing. They just don't do it. But here's the thing. <clears throat> just so we're, we're clear and out front, the Convention of States... That's the organization. Tells us that they aren't pushing a con-con. That means a constitutional convention. See, they're, they're telling their people, hey, we just want to amend the Constitution. And again, this is what I brought up about the Articles of Confederation. It was to be amended. It was not to be completely rewritten into a whole new Constitution. It was to be amended. Okay? And... But Mark Meckler was pushing this. How do I know that? Because he had a website called ConConCon.org. I'm going to show it to you if you're watching uh, by way of the video platforms. Look at this. This is from the Wayback Machine. Notice, ConConCon.org. What do they call it? A conference on the Constitutional Convention, which was held at Harvard Law School, September 24 and 25, 2011. Now, <clears throat> you can go to this link. I'll have it in the... Um, in the archives, it was in the archive from yesterday's show, too. You could click on the link, and you could go to this page here. But you can, I believe Wayback Machine will allow you to, um, you know, move in between some of these things. I could be wrong, but I think they have that capacity where you can do it. Sometimes it takes, okay, yep. So you can move back and forth in Wayback Machine with this, and you'll see at 2011 some of the people um, who were there, and it's uh, it's a plethora of people who were there. Um yeah, quite a bit of people, actually. And, you know, some of these you may be familiar with. Some of these you may not be familiar with. I know Lawrence Lessing was one that, uh, you know, people had pointed out was, was a big deal. Of course, Mark Meckler. And uh, I believe, if we're not, I don't, I forget the guy's name from the Young Turks. He's in it, too. Okay, so, and they have the videos, or they used to have the videos. You could click on those and you could play them. Yeah, this guy right here. The Young Turk, hosted Young Turks. I don't even know how you pronounce the guy's name. Anyway, he's there, and all these people were there for this, okay? So very clearly, and you can see, and now the website is not there anymore. It was changed, and um, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, when I wrote on this topic, I didn't have to go to the Wayback Machine. It was actually showing, and then I went back, and it was just a short amount of time, just a couple of weeks, I think, that the website completely changed. It had something about trucks or truckers or something on it. But but you can clearly see 
He was pushing not an Article 5 convention, not a convention of states. He was pushing a constitutional convention. But they tell you that's not what they're pushing now, don't they? If you're in the convention of states, listen to me. Go ask your people. <clears throat> ask them if they're pushing a constitutional convention. Oh, no, we're not pushing a con-con. That's what they'll tell you. That's where you get them. You point them right back here, and you say, well, wait a minute. This is not, this is not what Meckler was, uh, was peddling at the first. Okay? So why are you on this topic, Tim? Well, yesterday we got word that uh, there is a resolution that was passed in the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina by the House and the Senate going to Governor McMaster's desk for his signature. It's their resolution. I guess it's their sort of application to engage in an Article 5 convention. Now, here's what's interesting. I called in yesterday to Governor McMaster. I said, hey, is McMaster going to sign this? Because he said he's not going to, he's, he, he's opposed to it. And the lady said she don't even know. It's passed both houses of the legislature, and the governor doesn't know whether he's going to sign it or not? Come on. It's an election year. Um, we know Trump's been in with some of these guys to push the con-con, and no doubt some of them are, tell- are pressuring him to just don't veto this, just let it go. But Governor McMaster, I want to remind him, you said you were opposed to an Article 5 convention. In 2018. And you said for a number of reasons. For a number of reasons. My concern is there could be unintended consequences. I believe that's exactly right. I believe, that, I believe McMaster was saying at that time, like Patrick Henry, when they called a constitutional convention, I smell a rat. He added that there's nothing wrong with the Constitution, just judges who misinterpret it. Yeah, and I would say governors and legislatures, too. That's usually the issue. Now, there's a couple of issues in the Constitution that are wrong. Okay, uh, Evan brought those up the other day. 16th and 17th Amendment, I think, um, <clears throat> what is it, Article 6, about no religious testos. Uh, you know, yeah, there's some things that need to be corrected there. And uh, so you can read this, but, but he basically has some concerns, some concerns over the rights we have as individuals to keep and bear arms. That was one of them. Um, and, of course, we saw one of the legal advisors to the con- – uh, and I did the show on this. One of the legal advisors to Convention of States is signed on with a brand, with a whole new constitution, a whole new one that I showed you in that episode, too. And this guy completely emasculates the Second Amendment. Doesn't even mention a militia. And then he starts using language like the Supreme Court used. Well – it's okay to have a particular kind of uh, weapon or a gun or whatever as long as it's in common use. So I guess if you develop something yourself and it's not in common use, then it doesn't apply. See how it's a restriction on you? It's not a restriction on government. It's a restriction on you. Whereas the Constitution is to be a restriction upon those who serve the people, not the people themselves. So with that said, let's take a look at this. What does Article 5 actually say? Article 5 says, The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution. Okay? So, if you get two-thirds of the House, two-thirds of the Senate, 
to propose an amendment to the Constitution, they can push that through for ratification. Okay? Or, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states. So, the legislators, if, if the House won't do it, and the House and Senate won't do it, then the legislatures of the states, they get two-thirds of them, uh, of the states, to come forth and put an application in, and their application is to the Congress asking them for a convention. This is what it says. They put uh, an application to legislatures of two-thirds of the several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which, in either case, shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states. So you got to get two-thirds of them to apply for this convention, okay? And then you have, and once that's done, you got to get three-fourths of them to ratify whatever things have been put forth, a whole new constitution, um, amendments, or whatever the case may be. Or by the conventions and three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed, proposed by the Congress provided that no amendment which may be made prior to the year 1,880, or excuse me, 1,808 shall in any manner affect the first and fourth clauses in the ninth section of the first article, and that no state without its consent shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate. Okay? All right. So that's what Article 5 says. So they're putting in an application... Now, what happens when you put in an application? You're requesting something, right? If you're applying for a house, you're requesting for a a mortgage there. If you're applying for a credit card, you're applying for a credit line. And by the way, it's going to be your money. They're going to go tap into, come back and give it to you, charge you usury, all of it in violation of the law of God. Uh, But anyway, you you get the point, right? You're trying to get something. If you're applying for a job, you're trying to uh, gain employment, okay? What the states are doing is they apply to Congress, and Congress calls the convention. Okay? Congress calls the convention. And we'll look at some of these things. Hopefully today we'll get all the time we need to to do that. But we'll look at some of these things as far as what they're actually doing uh, when they call that. And there's a particular report that's out, and I I briefly made mention of it yesterday, in which they said, who will lay out the the rules of the convention? It's going to be Congress. It's going to be Congress. Um, so just just so you're 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 familiar, uh, if you're in this this kind of deal. Now we had a guy, uh, very nice man that uh, I think he spoke at one of the events that Bradley had, and um, <clears throat> up in Minnesota. And Bradley says you want to talk to this guy, so I talked with him. Very nice man. Um, you know, gay, he says I, I hear you got some concerns about convention states. I said yes, and I, I let him you know tell me all the stuff he's telling me. And I said, so how does this stop tyranny? Because, you know, they're telling you and you're telling me Article 5 is here to stop this kind of stuff, to push back tyrannical. Block. Is that what that looks like to you folks? No, that's not how you deal with tyranny. You deal with tyranny by bringing justice on it. And there is an enforcement arm in the Constitution. It's Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15. The militia are to enforce the law. And what does the Constitution refer to itself as? The law of the land. Supreme law of the land is what it says. Now, technically, that's not true. The law of God is reigns supreme over that. 
But as far as the men of this country, that those who represent us, that Constitution is the law of the land against them. It is to stop them from going, or it's to say, here's where you cross the line. It's like the law of God doesn't stop us from sinning, does it? No. It tells us when we have done so, when we have transgressed that line, when we've gone across the line and we have broken God's law. So the same thing happens here. So let me give you, I'll read through this real quickly, and then we're going to jump into some of these particulars, okay? This was my um, talk at the South Carolina House Judiciary Committee. I wish I just had the video, but that went with my YouTube channel. So um, this is what I gave back in 2015 when I was opposed to it, and Michael Ferris was in the room. Some of you know Michael Ferris, um, and uh, some other people who were pro-Convention of States. Uh, had just spoken, and here's what I said. When the Pilgrims arrived in America, they formed the Mayflower Compact, a mission statement of how their culture and their government was to exist. The compact stated clearly that they settled for the glory of God and the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I gave uh, the particular Mayflower Compact um, that they have undertaken for the glory of God, the advancement of the Christian faith, and honor of our king and country, and that's why they had established themselves there in the New World. All right? 1620. America began as an explicitly Christian nation in culture and government. Years later, she continued to exist until the period following the Revolutionary War. And at that time, she abandoned her first constitution, which was the Articles of Confederation. According to the Articles of Confederation, it required unanimous consent of all 13 states in order to amend the document. However, even though delegates had instructions from their states not to do anything but amend the Articles of Confederation. They chose to go the route of rewriting in secret without any press. That should be two S's there. (laughs) One that allowed for three-fourths of the states to ratify to become binding. At the time of the convention, Patrick Henry, that man we love to quote as saying, give me liberty or give me death, and he was an an anti-federalist. I would have been an anti-federalist. I would not have wanted some kind of centralized government. Every time you've got centralized government, it always becomes a problem sooner or later. It does. Okay. He said, I smell a rat when he heard about the Constitutional Convention. Okay. For more on this, by the way, if you click that link when you have this, it will come up with Dr. Gary North's book, A Conspiracy in Philadelphia, which Nicene Council uh, took and we made it into a hardcover. And it was part of another book called Political Polytheism. But this one chapter called Conspiracy in Philadelphia is like 500 pages, okay? So you can get the PDF by clicking I Smell a Rat here when I put this link up, okay? He knew that centralization of government would eventually lead to tyranny, and time has demonstrated it to be true here in America. When it comes to an Article 5 convention, there is much to be concerned over since it it is Congress that calls the convention, not the states. They apply. We just read that. According to Article 5, the states petition Congress. They request, and Congress calls the convention. And I don't seek to judge men's motives, except for when they tell me their motives. However, I will say that I believe there are indeed patriots who wish to pursue an Article 5 convention, people who are fed up with government overstepping its bounds into their lives. They're sick of representatives who will not stand on their principles, but will compromise in order to get things done, things often that are unconstitutional and fringe on the people's rights. Yet Americans continue to elect them. Why? Because they're told we've got to have a red wave, right, on on the conservative side, we got to have a blue wave if you're you know, not so adherent to the Constitution. <clears throat> or at least don't give lip service. Well, I guess they do give lip service. I, I should change the way I'm saying about that. They do give lip service to it. 
At that time, I had received an email from a vice president of a large conservative outlet that had like, I don't know, dozens of websites where they were putting stuff up, okay? Um, and he said, join the fight for an Article 5 convention to fight against federal tyranny. And I sent him an email back. I said, when in all of human history have words stopped tyrants? And he wanted to go back and forth with me about the Republicans. And I'm like, dude, I don't live for Republicans, and neither should you, or Democrats. The law is supposed to keep them in check. That's what it's there for. And the people are the law for that. We have that set up. We just don't have men of good character to do it. And so I went on and I said, by definition, a tyrant is a lawless man. In our case, we not only have one lawless man, we have many who are complicit in his lawlessness. That applies at BHO. That applies to Donald Trump. That applies to Joe Biden. Okay? It's not new. The federal government has been ignoring the Constitution for well over 150 years, Abraham Lincoln being the supreme usurper of the Constitution in the name of, quote-unquote, saving the Union. Pressing on the Union something that our forefathers knew they were not subservient to. They broke away from England, didn't they? They seceded from England. Yes, they did. Take a look at the Bill of Rights and tell me there are numerous laws on the books in federal government that violate every one of them. The only way to deal with tyranny is to bring justice upon it, something we have not done. Article 5 proponents want such things as a balanced budget amendment. That sounds good. Parental rights amendment. That sounds good. And term limits. Those things sound good to us, don't they? <clears throat> but stop and think about it. The BBA doesn't stop unconstitutional spending. It legalizes it and even allows for more debt if you get, you know, half the states to jump in on it. Or consider the Parental Rights Amendment. I understand it was mainly to combat documents from the United Nations, but tell me, where are we to be funding and housing the UN in the Constitution? Yeah, I know there's a treaty there. See, this is why I think when, when we do treaties, let me just say this, when we do treaties, we ought to be um, wise about what God told the people going into the Promised Land. He said, you don't make these covenants with the people there. Remember how the people got word of what was going on and they dirtied themselves up, made them look like they were traveling from a faraway place, and they made a covenant with them, and it became this albatross around Joshua and the people's neck? Remember that? This is what the UN is. This is the same kind of thing that you see there uh, it, from, from Joshua. Same kind of thing. Americans should have never made that covenant, that treaty, with the United Nations. And they should really go back and revoke that thing. That's what they should do. And they should kick the UN out of our off our soils, what they should do. Um, so getting back to where I was talking here, it seems re clear the remedy for the United Nations is stop funding them and remove them from U.S. soil. The federal government is given no authority in the Constitution for dealing in the jurisdiction of the family, so why would we want to put language in there that can be twisted in the manner of the General Welfare Clause or the Supremacy Clause by evil men? Well, I don't want it in there. As for term limits, it sounds good, but doesn't solve the problem of an uninformed public that votes a party line or a popular name, having no idea what the person actually believes does or their record. Consider what many learned uh, afterwards about Barack Obama, or what many continue uh, to be ignorant of. Some, some have wised up concerning Mitt Romney, but boy, I had death threats for exposing Mitt Romney for who he was from, from alleged conservatives. <laughs> I mean... This is what I'm talking about. <clears throat> conservatives aren't too conservative sometimes. 
Further, it stifles those that do serve the people well from continuing to serve. Personally, I think for the sake of the people and the representatives, the people should allow them to serve one term and remove them through elections for both of their safety, both the people and the representatives. The longer they're there, the more apt, the more temptation they face to be corrupted. The rightful remedy for federal tyranny, according to Jefferson, is interposition. That's where the state puts itself in between the people and the feds. And nullification. That's when the state says, okay, you guys just went way beyond what the Constitution allows you to do, and we're going to nullify that. And so far in South Carolina, we've been in, we were unable to pass a bill that was not nullification. Okay? They had a nullification bill, one that completely nullified Obamacare. And the, and the legislature shot it down. Then they came back in, <clears throat> and I interviewed my representative here. And he, he said, well, well, we had to write it this way because we had to keep Medicare and Medicaid in, in place. And this thing was all tangled around it. Well, wait a minute. Aren't you the guys that say you don't want socialism? Aren't you the guys that say you don't want big government? Medicaid and Medicare are both of those. They're both of them. And they couldn't pass that thing either. But they think, oh, the answer is Article 5 convention. What? (sighs) The problem again, like Matt said at the beginning of the show, is men without Christian character morals. We don't believe our founders were all Christian. I don't believe all of them were necessarily all Christian. Uh, But I do think that most, at least with their mouths, made some form of appeal to Christian morality. John Adams said that our Constitution was for religious and moral people, that it was wholly inadequate to govern any other people, and at that time, we were Christian. George Washington, his famous farewell address, said that no one could rightly call themselves a patriot if they sought to remove the indispensable pillars of religion and morality. And I think they did have in mind Christianity and Christian morality. Indeed, but whose morality and whose religion? It's got to be the religion of Christ, the law of God. I contest that America has abandoned her God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, and has in his place substituted the government, which has grown into a tyrannical beast as part of the judgment of God. Look around and see the wickedness of our nation. That will not be solved with amendments. It will be solved when the church first repents of her sin, and those in government who are a part of the church recognize their duty to God, the protection of those that do good, and the punishment of evildoers, according to Romans 13, 1-5, the answer is not an Article 5 convention which leftist, socialist, and communists have been trying to bring about for more than five decades. The answer, I would humbly submit, is that we return and make our actions those that conform to, quote, one nation under God, end quote, the God of the Bible, holding up his law, his punishments, and his justice. Then we'll again know what it is to rejoice under the leadership of the righteous. For now, we are a people suffering under the wicked. We've abandoned God's law, and as William Penn rightly said, men will either be ruled by God or be ruled by tyrants. Or as G.K. G.K. Chesterton aptly put it, if men will not be governed by the Ten Commandments, they shall be governed by the Ten Thousand Commandments. I oppose an Article 5 convention based on the historical record that we have had an amendment convention that resulted in an entirely new constitution and abandoned the mention of Christianity explicitly with new parameters for ratification. I oppose it because amendments are not an answer to tyranny. Justice and the return to the cries of the revolutionary period of no king but Jesus... Are. And that's exactly right. See, you've got to get your mindset right first before you're acting. And Matt hit it on the head. We've got to do it at the county level. We've got to start thinking different. It's not a top down, it's a bottom up transformation. 
And I don't really like the term grassroots. makes us sound like something to be trampled on. Uh, we're not grass. We're the sovereigns here in the United States. The people are. We're not grass. The people it, it, you know, that represent us are our representatives. They're our employees. We have the power to deal with them if we would just but deal with them. So, let's take a look at a few things here. One, <clears throat> there are a lot of men. I've got, uh, I've got just a whole bunch of stuff here. Evan made mention of a Hamilton yesterday, Alexander Hamilton, and you know he's, I don't know, he's a, he he's a big government kind of guy, one of the central bank and everything else. And uh, here's one of his quotes. This is from Federalist uh, Number One. Of those men who have overturned the liberties of republics, the greatest number have begun their career by paying an obsequious court, I hope I pronounced that correctly, to the people, commencing demagogues and ending tyrants. But the, but the problem is, is that so many of our forefathers rejected a lot of the stuff that is promoted today, for instance, the issue of nullification, um, you know, here's James Madison. He rebukes those who say that you can't nullify unconstitutional laws. He does that. If the federal government should overpass the just bounds of its authority and make a tyrannical use of its powers, the people whose creature it is must appeal to the standard, which is the Constitution, they have formed and take such measures to redress the injury done to the Constitution as the exigency may suggest and prudence justify. That comes from Federalist number 33. What did he mean? Well, he meant you nullify those laws. And those rights to nullify those kind of laws, well, that comes in, you see that in the Tenth Amendment. If we didn't give you authority, that, that, those rights reside with the states and with the people. Okay, so he had said those kinds of things. So there's a lot that are there's a lot of push to try to cause people to buy into the fact that the convention of states is somehow a way to deal with tyrants. Now let me ask you something: Did any of the founders say, "Hey guys, look, if we just write some words"? Because the tyrant over there in England is trampling on the words that are there to protect our rights already. He's trampling on those things. If we write some more words, he'll obey those. Is that how they responded? No, they had to take up arms because the king was going after them. Whenever they would meet, uh, tried to steal their arms, tried to... Uh, stifled their speech, was putting up troops in their homes, having, un, you know, without warrant, searches and seizures. You'll see where all those, bill, the Bill of Rights, you'll see where all that is. Wanting to control them under the Church of England, all of this kind of stuff, okay? And yet, what did they do? They resisted him. They resisted him to the point of their own blood. So, when we see all of this go on, we have to oppose it. Now, again, I'm going to pick up here, um, and we may go over just a few minutes, not, not long, 
But this is, uh, again, Matt Trujella. And this is several years ago for him. This was 2017. He is speaking up in Wisconsin. And he is uh, speaking. I don't know if this is a county or the city um, council. But I want you to listen as he says exactly what an Article 5 convention is. It is a skirt to hide behind. They're little children. They want to say that they're doing something when they're doing nothing. This is uh, The first time I played this was... I don't even remember. It's been several years ago when the show was setting brush fires. And the people loved it. Listen to Matt and how he addresses his representatives here in Wisconsin. Uh, Matthew Trujella from Richfield speaking against from Mercy Church. Mercy, yeah, Mercy, Seat. Mercy Seat Church. Welcome. Thank you. You guys will really like me because I'm going to be quick. Um, Hooray. Me and my wife have 11 kids, pastor of church, mission to run. She's beautiful. I'm busy. <laughs> so, But I got a few things I'd like to say. We all know what you intend to do here, and that is to spend years creating yet another piece of paper, only to have it trampled by yet another federal court, impugned by yet another Congress, rolled over by yet another executive order from POTUS. This federal government has spent decades trampling the Constitution. Your piece of paper with new words added to the Constitution, or a completely new one, would be trampled yet again as the current Constitution has been trampled. What you are doing here with these bills is designed to give the impression that you are doing something while you are doing nothing. You possess the lawful authority the right, and the duty to interpose against the federal government now, without creating yet another piece of paper. You chance a convention of the states for a mere balanced budget amendment over mere money. We have monetary problems because of our moral problems. This federal government slaughters the preborn, and you bow to it. They pervert marriage, and you bend over and take it. And yes, you will submit to their filth and injustice when they declare that boys must be allowed in girls' shower rooms. This federal government picks our pockets and spends massive amounts of money on unconstitutional departments and programs, and yet the states allow them to do it. In fact, the states participate in the plundering. Like a whore, the states have been bought off. The states have acquiesced to this mugging, Yes, you've given up political authority so that you can obtain mere money from the federal beast. Such an arrangement encourages state legislatures to be more interested in doing the bidding of their federal master than they are in doing what is right for the people in the sight of God. What you do here is designed to give cover to that collusion and why we have a federal government that spends unconstitutionally and is out of control. Such treachery is laid plain to many of us here. Such obfuscation is apparent. You belie your duty, gentlemen, by preferring yet another piece of paper. Your duty is to establish and uphold justice in our state. This is your God-given duty. It is a sacred duty. Yet you prefer to create yet another piece of paper. The state of Wisconsin is not to be a mere province of the federal government. The state of Wisconsin is not to be a mere implementation center for unjust or immoral federal law, policy, or court opinion. It is not a mere conduit 
to dispense federal money. You have a duty to maintain this state's authorities, rights, and liberties. Your duty is interposition. Stop taking the money. Quit recognizing the legitimacy of unconstitutional spending. Quit recognizing the legitimacy of unconstitutional departments, programs, and mandates. End your collusion, which has created the problem for which you now want this convention. As a minister in this state for 29 years now, I wholeheartedly oppose this attempt to make Wisconsin yet another state of fools, calling for an Article 5. You possess, possess lawful authority. Quit hiding behind this skirt, along with the one of the federal courts have ruled, all we can do is obey, and interpose against the federal government that was long has long broken the chains which were meant to bind it down. This is what is needed and necessary. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Well, okay. All right. So I'm going to pause here a second. <clears throat> I'm going to play the rest because <clears throat> this uh, council has some questions for Matt. Well, how are we going to take care of the homeless? How are we going to take care of, you know, Johnny and Susie? How are we going to fund the schools? How are we going to do this if we don't do this? See, their, 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 their mindset is immediately drawn to the government teeth. That's, that's all they know. That's all they know is how to do their lawlessness is by the federal government money coming back to the states. That, that's what it is. And I want you to hear Matt respond because I think this is good to see the interaction so that, you know, you say, well, what if they ask me a question? Well, then get familiar with the questions they're going to ask you and start thinking critically about why it's a problem. Here's, here's Matt on that. Well, thank you very much for hanging around. It sounds yeah. like you're very busy, and thanks for taking the time. Any questions from... Uh, I'm sorry, we're, we're taking questions from the committee members. Thank you. Okay. Senator Weinhout? I, I don't know if I can speak for Max, and maybe I shouldn't even try it. But I, I guess that the realities of the state budget kind of hit me in the face because we're right now in the middle of beginning a three- or four- or five-month budget debate. And we're looking at a budget where um, three of every $10 in the budget comes from the federal government. And in some programs, it's about half. So I think about some of the very basic services that we provide to the, the most, the least fortunate that Max kind of inspired me to think about. The, the, a great example would be the disabled and the frail elderly, uh, people that are clearly living well below the poverty line and, and in the way that the state defines Medicaid is 100% of the poverty line or less. If we did what you ask, if we did exactly that, we would have to completely scrap um, the the Medicaid program because there's no way we could afford it. Which wouldn't be but a bad what thing. What would happen almost immediately is that nursing homes would go out of business and a whole lot of people would die. And I just can't imagine if, if Max gets thinking about what's in the scripture, how could we possibly defend that kind of an action? And, and if that's – and understand that we're trying to do the right thing, and I think there's really good um, motivation on each side of this issue, but there's a lot of really difficult problems that we have to solve. And, and to say no to the federal government 
like you're asking is to say no to almost half of our highway money, and we already can't fund the roads. We're way behind on road maintenance, and 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 then you know completely destroy everything we do as a state on healthcare. Which knowing that a two thirds of it go to the disabled and and the frail elderly who are below the poverty line. I was raised in the city of Detroit. Where I grew up, I was a minority. I was from a broken home. My father left on Christmas Eve when I was 11. And um, I abhor the politics of dependency. That's what I've come to learn. And our state legislature gives millions to Planned Parenthood, if you want to talk about Christian, to butcher the preborn babies in this state. Actually, just so you know, in in, in 2013, and I'm not taking credit for this because I didn't vote for it, but 94% of the state dollars were removed from going to Planned Parenthood. That's just absolutely false. And it wasn't me. It was my Republican colleagues that did it. It is not. They get millions. They still get millions. Not from Wisconsin. Maybe we could bring this back to the issue of the Article 5 uh, discussion that we were having. (laughs) Sure. So my Do you have a question simply, in there, Senator Weinhout? I, I, just, I just am asking him what he would want us to do if, if he doesn't want us I to want do this. I want the federal government to get back into the limitations that the Constitution squared off for it, and I want the state legislature to do its duty and interpose against their unconstitutional actions, which have been going on for decades now. That's what a lot of Wisconsinites want, and that's what I'm asking for. People will help each other out. Before the state came in and started playing God... People helped each other out and took care of each other, and they can do the same again. We don't need the state sticking their nose in where it doesn't belong. All right. Well, thanks for coming today. Amen. All right. Anything further? That's exactly That's exactly the issue there. Uh, Excuse me. That's exactly the issue. You you hear the lady, oh, we couldn't take care of these people. You know, my mind went straight to where Paul told Timothy about the, the older widows, right? And if a man doesn't take care of his own... He's worse than an infidel and an unbeliever. He's denied the faith. Oh. And yet, people, like what was done with um, in the story of Davy Crockett, where he was called out for giving that, you know, chiming in and giving $20,000 to these families that lost five homes in Georgetown, and the, his, his constituent called him out and said, I'm not voting for you. You didn't have authority to give our money to somebody else. This is, where, this is what this lady thinks. She thinks that these people are not going to be cared for if government doesn't care for them. And we all know how good government is at charity with other people's money, don't we? They wastefully spend it, and they do so lawlessly. They do. Hang on. If you guys want to check, uh, finish up, I'm just going to be just a couple of minutes here. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com is where you can find us. Write video on the top of the page there. Click on that, and you can join us for the rest of this. Uh, Otherwise, we'll see you at 6 a.m., Lord willing, in the morning. And Bradley will be with you at 3 p.m. today. See you. Okay, all right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And, you know, that one right there with Matt is just, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful, it's concise. It shows exactly what sh- what the problem is, what should be done, and how to do it. And I think that's you know that's what we need. We need that. We really need that uh, to understand what's going on. And again, the 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 convention of states people are great marketers. They've had you know over a decade to do that, 
And again, I've, I've shown you, they are not convention of states. They are for a constitutional convention. Constitutional convention. Keep that in mind when they tell you they're not. Just point them back. Show them the, the documentation is there. There's a whole website that's archived on Wayback Machine. That's what they are. And they're trying to move from that to say that they're something else now. Okay? Um, it's interesting to me, though, and there's been so much written uh, and spoken of with regards to an Article 5 convention. Um, by the way, when he was talking about funding, do you know some of the people behind Convention of States that are funding it? Oh, you don't. George Soros, the Koch brothers, or the Koch brothers, however you want to pronounce their name, K-O-C-H-S. They're all behind it, too. Uh-huh. Why? They're, they're behind other constitutional change projects, too. Why? Because they want to undermine the United States. They want to undermine... If they can get... If they, if they can undermine the United States... A lot of other countries go right with them. Publius Holder said this, What's the real agenda of those who are financing the push for a convention? A convention provides the opportunity to replace our existing constitution with a new constitution which moves us into a completely new system of government, such as the North American Union. Well, we've already pretty much got that now. Donald Trump brought us that. Thank you, Donald. The USMCA. Yep, he set up regional government right here. Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Under the NAU, the North American Union, Canada, the United States, and Mexico are economically and politically integrated, and a parliament and combined militarized police force are set up over them. Because you've got to have somebody who's going to enforce whatever's going on, right? See how this, see how this is a problem? This is, a, this is a huge problem. Um, hang on just a second. I'm doing something here live. I just wanted to pull this up. Um, let's see if we can get this up here. All right. So in Joshua, chapter 10, and what we find is, this story that I talked about, and I, I, I think it's very important that we, we gain something from this, because I think this is part of the problem that we've had with treaties. I understand sometimes treaties need to be made, um, but we, sh- we should be making them with people of like mind, okay? And so when you go over into Joshua, um, you find out that there is this treaty that's been set up and um, beginning in verse seven, I think that's where I want to be. Hope that's where I want to be. Joshua chapter 10, verse seven, it says, so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, fear them not for I've delivered them in thine hand. There shall not be a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited at them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon, and smote them to Azekah and unto Makeda. 
And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Bethoran that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them uh, unto Ezekah, and they died. And they were more, and there were more which died with hellstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, Stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. Remember, this is where, where God did that thing where he sort of turned back time, if you will. He, he turned back the, the sun uh, to give them light and such. And so Joshua's able to go, and he's to defeat his enemies. Okay, I thought this was the passage I was on. Ah, sorry, I should have had this pulled up, but it just didn't dawn on me till, um till we started here. Yeah. I've forgotten where it was. Maybe Mr. Wordsworth could help me out. Looking for that, uh, the passage where they make the uh, treaty. In any case, I was just going to bring that up and show you uh, where they were making the treaty, and God had warned them not to do that. Uh, So that's my bad. I just jumped over there, and I can't think of it right now as to where it is. So that was one of the things. We need to be careful of the treaties that we have because they have consequences to us here in the States. The other thing is on this Convention of States is – Again, there have been new constitutions that have been written up. And even the Convention of States legal guy, again, he's supporting of an entirely new, quote-unquote, conservative constitution. It's it's nothing, none of that. But here we have people, I mean, bright men, Michael Ferris behind this. We have Mark Levin. Yeah, and I think Mark Levin's an arrogant, self-righteous Jerk. I, I, I do. His liberty amendments are not about liberty at all. They're actually about endorsing the same tyranny that's going on. It's just le- looking to legalize it somehow and somehow restrain it. It's like the pro-life person that says, oh, not a treaty, a covenant. Sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> made a covenant with them. Joshua did. Um. I was trying to think of specifically where I was where I was at. Yeah. And I'm I'm drawing a blank as to where I was. Um okay, maybe it was the chapter before. Let's see if it's the chapter before. All right. Uh yes, that's the one. All right. It was the Gibeonites. I was just a chapter after. Okay, so sorry about that. All right, so make sure that I'm on this so that I don't get people that fuss about what what version I'm using, not that I buy into the King James only stuff, but here it is. This is Joshua chapter 9. And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side, Jordan, in the hills and the valleys and in the coast of the great sea, over against Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard thereof that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done into Jericho and to Ai, see, they got, yeah, I got, I did. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, when they heard what they did, remember, they had, they had destroyed them, right? The people of Israel had utterly destroyed them. So they did work uh, willily and went, that's a funny word, willily, and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clouded upon their feet 
and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal, and said unto him, and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore, make ye a league with us. Now these are the Gibeonites. Okay? They're the ones that I was just reading about in chapter 10. Okay? So, God has warned them not to do this with the people of the land. And so they think they come from a, where? A far country. Right here. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye, and from whence, ye come, and from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God, for we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt. Now they didn't tell him about what they heard here with the other, did they? And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites or beyond Jordan, to Sion of Heshbon and to Og king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore, now make a league with us. This our bread we took hot for our provision out of our house on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry and is moldy. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new, and behold, they be rent. And these our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Okay? They didn't go to God and say, hey, should we do this? Because we know you said not to do this with people of the land. Should we be doing this? They didn't do that. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them and let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. And then watch what happens. And it came to pass at the end of three days, after they had made a league with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors. They were in the land. And that they dwelt among them. And the children of Israel journeyed and came into their cities on the third day. And their cities were Gibeon and Shephirah and Beerath and Kirjath-Jerim. And the children of Israel smote them not, because the princes of the congregation had sworn upon them, or unto them, by the Lord God of Israel. And, he, and God keeps his word, doesn't he? So the people are to keep their word. And all the congregation murmured against the princes. But all the princes said unto the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us, because of the oath which we swear unto them. And the princes said unto them, Let them live, but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water unto all the congregation as the princes had promised them. And then Joshua goes on to say some words too. So they basically make them work for them. You're going to trick us. If you're going to deceive us, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to kill you, but you're going to do stuff for us. And it was a problem. These people were a problem for the people of Israel <laughs> for their existence. And this is the same thing that happens with some of these treaties. Now, let me close off with a few things here. And these are from Publius Holda. And this deals with the Convention of States. Okay, And I think this is very important. This paper will be available, too, if you want to go through it and read it. Okay, Let me see if I can uh, blow this up because, ooh, that's a little too much. All right, so let me see if we can uh, start up here. Article 5 provides... 
that if two-thirds of the states apply for it, Congress shall call a convention for proposing amendments to the U.S. Constitution. However, delegates would have the right, as recognized in the second paragraph of our Declaration of Independence, to throw off the Constitution we have and write a new Constitution which creates a new government. Don't believe it? That's what our first forefathers did. That's what they did. They wrote an entirely new Constitution. And then she points this out. She says... Our only precedent for an amendments convention is the Federal Convention of 1787, which was called by the Continental Congress, quote, for the sole and express purpose of revising, or we could say amending, the Articles of Confederation. But the delegates ignored Congress's limiting instructions and the limiting instructions from their states and wrote a new constitution, the one we have now. Furthermore, the new constitution had a new and easier mode of ratification, whereas amendments to the AOC had to be approved by the Continental Congress and all of the then 13 states, the new Constitution provided at Article 7 that it would be ratified by only nine states. In Federalist Number 40, James Madison invoked the delegates' right to alter or abolish our form of government as recognized in the Department, uh, Department the Declaration of Independence, to justify ignoring their instructions and drafting a new constitution which created a new government. James Madison and Alexander Hamilton were delegates to the Amendments Convention of 1787 and had personal knowledge that delegates can't be controlled. I know the convention states are telling you that stuff. They can't be controlled. That's why Madison trembled at the prospect of an Article 5 convention. Hamilton dreaded one. And future Chief Justice John Jay said another convention would run, quote, extravagant risks, end quote. And yet, the Convention of States tell you, we're not doing a constitutional convention. Mm-hmm. That's not what they were saying in 2011. The Convention of States project implicitly acknowledges the danger of a convention when they say state legislatures should pass, quote, unfaithful delegate, end quote, laws which they claim will control delegates. But such laws can't control delegates because, and listen to her points, the Declaration of Independence recognizes that a people have the self-evident right to throw off their form of government and set up a new one. Just what I've been saying on the show. We can't stop delegates from exercising self-evident rights. It's their right to go and to represent Since Congress calls the convention, they have traditionally claimed the power to determine the number and selection process of delegates. And there's a report here that you can click on, okay? April 11, 2014, a report in which they basically laid out how an Article 5 convention would work. And Congress is the one setting up the rules. Why? Because of what they're given in Article 1. I think she's going to touch on that in just a second. Delegates wouldn't be under state control because the delegates wouldn't be performing a state function. The convention would be a federal convention. See? See? You're not told that by convention of states, are you? A federal convention called by Congress to perform the federal function of addressing a federal constitution, not a state one. As sovereign representatives of the people, delegates would have sovereign immunity for what they do at a convention. Article 1, Section 6, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution and state constitutions recognize that legislators have immunity. And you can see page 37 of that report uh, that that they had, too. 
James Madison's journal, the Federal Convention of 1787, shows that on May 29, 1787, the delegates voted to make the proceedings secret. If delegates today decide to meet in secret or vote by secret ballot, the states would never know who did what. The American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC, is experienced at holding secret meetings, just like they did at the Constitutional Convention, those were secret meetings, with state legislatures from the press as barred by armed guards. Delegates as sovereign representatives of the people are not answerable to state legislatures, which are mere creatures. They're creatures of the people, too, of the state constitutions, or to Congress, which is a mere creature of the federal constitution. The delegates have the power to eliminate the federal and state governments, and that is precisely what the proposed Constitution for the New States of America does. And there's a link there for that. That's another Constitution that's been written. The New States Constitution is ratified by a national referendum. Hmm. Not state legislatures kind of deal. It's done differently. And then quickly, I want to hit these, and then we'll close out. COS says this legislation doesn't ask Congress to call a constitutional convention, but rather a convention of states, which COS claims is different because it's controlled by the states. But it's not. It's not. COS has fooled some legislators into believing that they can be against a constitutional convention, whereas our existing constitution can be replaced, and yet support an Article 5 convention which COS markets as convention of states. C.U.S. made up its own definition for Article 5 Convention and Convention of States, defining them as limited, but there's no such thing as limited convention in the Constitution. There's not. The Constitution may have delegates only for only a few powers to the federal government, but for a hundred years, everyone has ignored the existing limitations. We can't fix federal usurpations of non-delegated powers with amendments. That's exactly what I said. Because we can't take away powers the Constitution didn't grant the feds in the first place. Amen. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let me ask you something. I know not everybody agrees with everything that I say, and that's that's fine. Are you a person that supports Convention of States? Have you gotten the mindset that we have to do something, even if it's stupid? We have to do something. We can think it's great, but then you start looking, what does it really do? Again, I ask, what good does it do to write more words that tyrants are already trampling on? How does that stop tyranny? See, COS pitches this. They pitch this in such a way as to say, if we just write these amendments... This will stop all the tyranny. This will stop all the unconstitutional spending. This will stop the debt. No, it won't. I mean, I don't understand how... Either these guys don't smell what they're shoveling, or they're paid off. And who knows? We've got George Soros in the mix. We've got the Koch brothers in here. Not saying they are. I'm just saying, you got that kind of money coming in from those kinds of people... I wouldn't trust anybody talking about COS to save my life. I wouldn't do it. So the point that I'm, and again, I want to reiterate, I'm not, there are a lot of just ordinary Joes like me who support a COS because they bought into whatever they've been told. And they want, they want the tyranny to stop. They want the unconstitutional spending to stop. I don't consider those people my enemy. I don't. I think they've been misinformed. I think they've been lied to. I think they've been deceived. 
And that's why I bring some of these things here. And there's there's tons of stuff. You can go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, put in Article 5 Convention or Convention of States. You could read all kinds of stuff. we got all kinds of documentation on what they're doing and what they're not telling you or how they're telling you one thing, and it really, really means something else. So you can check that out at sonsoflibertymedia.com. But I want you to understand that a Convention of States is not to stop tyranny. It's either there to fix deficiencies in the Constitution— and that by upright moral men with good character. Or it's to, as PH mentioned in here, be used to throw off the old government that has become to, that has become tyrannical, to throw it off completely. Now, if you do that, you're going to have to wait to get rid of the people who are already there. This is why I say when you throw it off, you dissolve it completely. Then you can do something else. Preferably, I, I like the loose connection we have as sovereign states to come to each other's aid, okay? Because we do have the same foundation, so we're not like Joshua and the Gibeonites, all right? We're, we, we have the same. We would be like the 12 tribes of Israel. We would be sovereign tribes, if you will, the 50 sovereign states that will come together to defend one another. Um, but basically, we're going to take care of ourselves, Okay? With that said, Bradley be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And uh, we'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m., Lord willing. See you.